So this morning, we're going to look at the book of John. We looked at Matthew with hope. We looked at Mark with peace. We looked at uh, Luke last week with joy. And today, we're going to look at love from the book of John. John approaches his gospel. We've talked about this uh, quite a bit this year with our... um, Seven Signs series back in August, and then last week we talked about how John approaches his gospel a little bit differently, doesn't he? He approaches his gospel a little bit differently. He, um, he goes kind of, well, let's just look at it. John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, two things I want to point out to you real quick from these these first five verses in the book of John. John is going back to the beginning. And what he's doing here is he's really setting up the gospel, the prologue of John's gospel, the introduction here of John's gospel is like an opening of a grand symphony. Everything, right? It's meant to grab the attention. It's meant to draw us into the story. I mean, the story of all stories here, the apostle sets the stage for the presentation of the gospel by highlighting the main plot line and central themes of the entire Bible. I mean, think about it. He starts out here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What John does is he goes back to the major plot line of the Bible in Genesis, saying that God was in the beginning. And who was with him? Jesus, right? And so he doesn't, he's not introducing the gospel here in his Gospel of John, he's not introducing the Gospel of Matthew through Revelation. He's introducing the the true Gospel of Genesis that Jesus was there in the beginning before creation all the way to the end and still today. So he talks about creation. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And then in verse 5, in verse 5, he addresses something that's true Throughout all of Scripture, there's truth throughout all men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What's he referring to? The fall. The fact that this world is dark, and without God, people are desperate. They might not even realize it, but there's no hope. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no true love without the gospel of Jesus. And so he says, He talks about creation, and then he talks about this giant hole that man has to deal with, that we have to deal with, the fact that there is darkness. Let's keep reading verse 6. So what do we do with that? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, John is very repetitive here in these couple verses, and he wants to get two main things across. Number one, there's a light, right? I mean, we see that a couple of times, that, that, he, came, that he came to bear witness about the light, right? And so it's pretty clear that in these verses that there's a light. The second thing that's pretty clear, if you'll notice, John's not it. 
I mean, he wanted to make it very clear, right, that there's a light for the darkness. There's something that's going to address this darkness. I'm not it, though. I came to bear witness about the light. Right? He says it twice there in those three short verses. There's a light to combat the darkness. Right? You don't have to just live in darkness. There is a light, and I'm not the light, but I've come. My whole life is dedicated. We talked about this a couple times this month. My whole life is dedicated to bearing witness about the light. Verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Hasn't happened yet, right? He was coming into the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, get this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, if you've got your Bible in your lap and you've got a pen in your hand, I want you to go and I want you to underline children of God. Because here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty of Christmas. Here's the thing we cannot miss year after year after year with the gospel is that we celebrate Christmas because since creation, there's been darkness and there's a light to combat the darkness. And anyone who believes in the light and walks in the light and accepts the light, he gives the right to be called children of God. That church is Christmas. That is the love of God at Christmas. And so again, if you've got your Bible, underline that children of God, because that's the difference maker. That is the hope. That is the peace. That is the joy. That's where we see the love is that we have the right, not something we earned, but through Jesus, through the gospel that's from Genesis to Revelation, to become children of God. Children of God. And then, and then, John tells the birth story. He tells the birth story in one verse. Not descriptive, but to the point. And I've often thought that John did his gospel the way he did. And I can't prove this with commentators or anything like that. I'm just a southern boy who thinks he can plow and likes fried chicken. Okay? So this is just my, this is just my opinion. And it's the way I see scripture, read scripture. And as I spend time with the Lord, right, I feel like he's shown me this. Okay? I believe he wrote his gospel, the birth story, this way because he wanted to point to something greater than the manger, the cross. That the point was that without Jesus, there was no Savior. Without Jesus, it's just darkness. Without the light, there's no hope. And so John, in John chapter 1, verse 14, sums his Christmas story up like this. And the Word became flesh 
And the Word became flesh. Now, I just want to talk about this for a minute. Is that okay? I just want to talk about this. This message is already going completely different than the 830 is going, but I just feel like God is leading us here for just a moment. Okay? The Word became flesh. What's that mean? I'm glad you asked. Jesus put skin on. Philippians 2 talks about it um, in, in, in what I believe is, is one of the best ways. Philippians 2, starting in verse 6, uh, Jesus did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He stepped out of heaven, being born of man. He, he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. Taking the form of a servant. So Jesus humbled himself twice, stepped out of heaven, born in the likeness of man, took the form of a servant. The word became flesh. So this light, this hope, this joy, this peace that we've been talking about, because we've talked about peace isn't a thing, it's a person. Joy isn't found in anything created, it's a creator, right? Love isn't a feeling, it's a person. It's a person. The love of God is in that Jesus stepped out of heaven and became flesh. The Word became flesh. And here's the, here's the rest of it. Here's the rest of John's Christmas story. You ready for this? And dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, about four weeks ago, we did a whole message on John 1:14 through the end. And, and, and I told you guys then that you needed to put that message out of your mind because we were going to come back here um, the Sunday before Christmas, didn't I? So all of you have forgotten that message. You've forgotten how to love people full of grace and truth and all that stuff. Okay, that's, we'll, we'll get back to that another time, right? But now I want you to focus on the first part of this verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made his dwelling among us. Now, here's the beauty of this, right? He didn't have to. This was not something, this is not something that, 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 that Jesus had to do. I mean, there was a void. The world needed a savior. It was dark. The world needed light. Why did he do it? To know the why, we look at John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. That is love. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could be called children of God and be loved. And be loved. And be loved. What a gift. What a gift. And so John in these 14 verses, gives us a Christmas story. He gives us a Christmas story and going back to the roots of the gospel, creation, the fall, and darkness, and then redemption. The fact that a Savior came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us that we might be able to become children of God. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, but that gets me every time. 
It gets me every time. So I got a question for you. Before we keep going, I got a question for you. Because I think there are two ways to experience a gift, right? And we see these two ways, for a lot of us, we see these two ways play out every Christmas morning or day after Christmas, whenever you kind of do your Christmas with your family, Christmas Eve, whatever. My, my parents used to let us open one gift on Christmas Eve, one gift, and it was awesome. And I always loved it when I picked the good gift. Um, and you always knew it was really good because they wouldn't let you open it on Christmas Eve. They said, no, 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 why don't you pick another one? And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going for that baby tomorrow morning. Right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, anyway, rain it in. Okay. Um, but there's two ways to experience a gift, right? There's the people, bless their hearts, that they get a gift in their lap and they peel back every piece of tape. <laughs> and you age 47 years while you watch them open gift after gift. And they're the ones that slow up the Christmas dinner. They're the reason the roast is burned, right? The carrots are overcooked, right? But, but they're, they're, very, they're very resourceful. And they take pride in their resourcefulness because they've used the same bows their kids' entire lives. And they're the same bows that were used for their gifts. And their gifts before, right? And so they, because they, they save everything. No, no, don't you dare throw that away. We're going to use that again 10 years from now. Okay? Bless their hearts. I told you, bless their hearts. All right? And they peel it back. Okay? How many of you are those type of gift receivers? Come on, be on, own it, own it. Okay, I see those hands. All right? We're going to start a support group in January just for you people. We've got a whole year for you. All right? And then you've got the other side of things. Where you break the gift in how you open it. How many of my people like that, right? You just rip into that thing, right? It doesn't matter how it's wrapped. You're not, you don't care about that, right? Like you just want to get to the gift, right? And so you rip through that thing, the bow is shredded, right? And so mom has realized that she's not even going to put bows on your gifts because she wants to keep those bows and it's just a waste. It's a step that's not necessary, okay? My mom finally realized that about three years ago <laughs> with me, okay? And so you just rip into it, right? And the paper goes to shreds. It was awesome the first five, y'all need to take notes. It was awesome the first five, six years of, 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 of the kids' lives. Ezra and Vera are still kind of in this stage. It doesn't matter what you give them. They have more fun with the paper than they do the gift. I'm still kind of like that. Like I still kind of run the, the stopwatch on how long it takes me to get through all my gifts. I'm going to, and, and, and I've, got, I've gotten my hand slapped for it a little bit, Cheryl. I've got my hand slapped for it a little bit because then the family's like, well, did you even enjoy it? That's what the whole year's for. Like, I'm, I'm going to spend 12 months, maybe longer, enjoying it. I just got to see what I got, right? I got to take inventory here. I got to see, right? Because whether or not it was a good Christmas is all hinging upon the gifts, you know. God forgive me, for I know not what I'd say, right? I'm getting somewhere with this. Here's where I'm getting. For God so loved the world that he, what? 
gave. Gave. See, this word that became flesh and dwelt among us, this Jesus that stepped out of heaven and put skin on and humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? This Jesus was a gift. This Jesus was a gift. And see, my, my people, right, the gift rippers, terror intours, right? My, my people, right? We want to rip that gift open. We want to experience all that it has for us. We can't wait to dive into it, right? We're, we're you know, we're, we're the Marthas, right? We just want to dive into the gift. We just want to, we just want to experience all. We want to be busy with it. We want to get it all. And then, and then you got the, the Marys that are just peeling back. Oh, that's a lovely bow. Where'd you get that bow? Right? Oh, that's the one I gave you 19 years ago. Oh, it's so precious that you still have it, right? Right? And you're like, just open the gift for the love. I want to eat this year. But they're just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just enjoying every moment. And you reach a point where you realize it's, it's not about the gift for them. It's about seeing you experience the gift. Right? My point is this. No matter how you open the gift, the gift of Jesus is meant to be a gift. It's meant to be received. He's meant to be opened. He's meant to be experienced. He's meant to be felt. He's meant to be communicated with. He's meant to love and be loved. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. The most precious gift anyone could give. No greater love than this. No greater, no greater love than this that one would lay down his life for his friends. That's the gift of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. And this year, in the midst of difference, in the midst of plans being all messed up and all of that, change, We can, still, we can still experience the greatest gift of all. So, there's two things I want to point out to you about Jesus and the gift that He is from John 1. And then I've got a Christmas acrostic for you. You knew it was coming. I haven't done one yet this year. Last year I did Joy. I think two years ago I did Hope acrostic. I haven't done a Peace one yet, but that just gives us something to look forward to in 2021. Am I right? Am I right? So i got two things to point out to you from the text and then across it. You ready? Number one is this. I want to show you God's strong, somebody say strong, strong desire to communicate with us. God's strong desire to communicate with us. So if you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. 
We see movement in this passage. See, I mentioned to you, John goes back to creation, right? He goes back to the beginning. He goes back to the time even before creation, right? And what he's trying to get to is that God and his word, Jesus, they're eternal. They're eternal. I mean, you look at all the created things. We talked about joy last week, creator versus created, right? You look at all the created things that we worship that can't, that can't hold un, up under the weight of our worship. They have, a, they have a start date, right? The patriots have a start date. Really? It's Christmas, okay? The patriots have a start date, right? The giants have a start date, should have an end date, right? But, but, they, but, they, but all of these created things that we worship, they have a birth date. They have a time that they were beginning. And what John is saying is, hey, Jesus, his word, right? God, they're eternal. They were from before time. They've been here from the beginning. They've been here from the beginning. And the first picture that we see of Jesus here in John chapter 1 is that he's God. That he is God. Eternal and infinite, uncreated. He is the creator. Through him, all things we see there were created. Through him, all things were created. Verse 3. And as you read on, John painted a movement. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Verse 9, the true light was coming into the world, right? You see the movement here. And then he was in the world in verse 10. And, and, and then he came to that which was his own, verse 11. And then in verse 14, it culminates. The word became flesh. See, the creator came into his creation. The world that he made, the creator became flesh and made his dwelling among us, among his creatures. And this movement is great and significant because imagine this, Jesus, who owns the universe, came into this world and had to find a place to be born. Jesus, the Almighty, came into this world and needed to be carried by human hands. Carried and cared for by human hands. Jesus, who had everything in his control, came into this world and was despised by man, John talks about. He was despised by his own. He was put off by his own. Why? Why did God do such a thing? Well, John uses these words. He came to his own. He wants us to be children of God. See, God desires a relationship with us. God went through all of these links. God did what he did. God gave his one and only son so that he could communicate with us, so that he could be in fellowship with us. Even if it meant the sacrifice of his son. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. Because it shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God desires to reach down to me. It shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God desires to reach down to me. God is beyond my reach, but I'm not beyond his reach. He has a strong desire to communicate with me. He has lowered himself so that I could reach him. I had a pastor tell me one time, That, and it's, and it's a lot of the, re, it's, it's shaped my preaching. 
It's shaped the way that I preach. It's shaped the way that I prepare messages. This one conversation. He said to me one time, he said, listen, you've got to set the bar up here. You've got to bring all the information. You've got to give all the, you know, you've got to do all of the studying and all this stuff. You've got to set the bar here because people that hear the message, they need to come up to a level of maturity to experience the message that you're bringing. It's got to be, it's got to be exegetical and, 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 and teaching and, and all of these different things. And I pressed back. And I said, but I don't see Jesus do that. I don't see Jesus go to Zacchaeus in a tree and say, hey, Zacchaeus, if, you'll, if you can understand these 10 things, then I want to come dine with you. That's not what he says. He says, hey, I'm coming to your house today. I'm getting on your level. And that's the strong desire that God has to communicate with us. Listen, how many times have you heard, well, I don't know enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't know enough about, I don't know enough about the Bible. I can't, you know, I can't do what you do. I can't, I can't, I can't. And we place all of these limits on God because we feel like there's this expectation that we've got to get to a certain place to meet him and to be on his level. And when we do that, and when we act like that, and when we talk like that, we miss the gospel. The fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven, took the form of a servant, so that he could be with us, and so that we could have fellowship with him. So that we could have fellowship with him. God's strong desire to communicate with us. And then we see the second thing. We've kind of already talked about it just a little bit. But they go hand in hand so well. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is that God meets us where we are. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? That's the beauty of the gospel. I was, um, there, there's a Christian artist, his name's Lecrae. His name's Lecrae. He does a lot of music for the kids. Okay, that rap music, right? That Christian rap music. But he's, a, he's an incredible Bible teacher. If you ever get a chance to listen to this guy preach, ho, ho, he can bring the house down. One of the things that he says before one of his songs on his first album is that so many people think they have to clean themselves up before they can come to Jesus. But that's not the point. We come to Jesus in our filth, and He does the cleaning. I like to put it like this. I went and got a car wash yesterday. You know what I didn't do before I went and got a car wash? I didn't wash my car at home before I went and got a car wash. That's a little ridiculous, right? You don't, you don't wash your car at home and say, oh man, this thing's filthy. I can't take it to the car wash like this, right? I got to clean it up before I can take this thing through the car wash. They're going to talk about me like you wouldn't believe if I'd bring this filthy truck into the car wash. I can't, I can't do that. I'm better than that. So I'll wash it at home and then I'll take, no, who does that, right? Well, who tries to go to the Savior of the world and say, hey, I'm only, 
a quarter broken. Right? I've fixed as much as I can fix, but you take the rest. No, that's not the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that we bring all of our filthy rags, all of our baggage, all of our brokenness to the foot of the cross. Because what was our deepest need? See, if our deepest need was financial, God would have sent a banker. If our deepest need was philosophical, God would have sent a a philosopher or something. If our deepest need was knowledge, He would have sent a teacher. But our deepest need was that we were walking in darkness and that we didn't have access to God. So God sent a Savior who's Christ the Lord. And he sent the Savior to meet us right where we are. And so what do we do with this? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God has a strong desire to communicate with us. And he meets us where we are. He meets us where we are. I want to read a couple verses to you. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. See, a, a, a lot of folks know John 3.16, right? But, but if you've ever read 1 John 3.16... It's just as good. By this we know love, that he laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I love that. Let us not love in word Right? In talk, excuse me, let us not love in talk or word, but in deed and in truth. What's, what's John saying there? He's saying, listen, love is an action, right? It's not something you sit around and talk about like, hey, love you, man, I'm here for you. And then the, per- the, the second they try to lean on you, you drop, right? There's plenty of people out there like that. But one of the things that one of my mentors always used to say was this. Because everybody's trying to love. You can find love everywhere, right? I love this, I love that, you know, this and that, right? But one, one of the things one of my mentors used to say is this. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. The love of the church ought to be better, right? Not to just talk about love in word or deed, but to actually love. To love. To care for people, to serve people, to act in love. He goes on, the next chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In this is love, skipping down to verse 10, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the sacrifice for our sins, the payment for our sins there. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You catching what, you catching where we're going with this? See, God wants, us, God wants to have fellowship with us 
And he wants to have fellowship with others. John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. I love this one. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you know all the Greek and Hebrew, if you have love for one another. You got one more in you? John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have, have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So in the way that we have been loved by God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us because, he's, because of his strong desire to communicate with us and fellowship with us and to meet us where we are. The call here is that we do the same for others. The call here, right, is not that we take the gift and whether we tear into it or we delicately open it, right? The the call here is not that we take the gift and we wrap our arms around it and say, mine, right? Like will be the case in my house on Friday, often, right? At least I'm owning it. Back off, kids, right? But that's not the point of the gift. But what God says that we must do with his love is that as we have have been given the blessing, the privilege of the gospel to be called children of God, sons and daughters of God, guess what? Spread the love. And, and, And not just a suggestion, not just a good idea. This is my command that you love one another that you love one another let me tell you something we don't have to have a Christmas Eve service together to love one another we don't have to have church without masks to love one another The mandate hasn't changed this year from Scripture to love one another. That is still the call of God to His people. And the way that I have loved you, go love. Go love. And don't just talk about it. Don't talk about how cool it would be or what a good idea it would be. Just do it. Take that Nike mentality and just go love somebody. Love whoever you get to be around. Love whoever you get to be around. Even if it's different. Because love hasn't changed. So how do we do that? The first way is we got to listen. Here's the acrostic. We got to listen, right? We got to listen. And first we've got to listen to God, right? We got to listen to God. And, and so maybe instead of, instead of going to God and saying, listen, 
we we got to have it out about a couple of things. I'm frustrated about a couple of things. I'm experienced. Maybe we just take the gloves off and we sit down for a little bit with an open Bible in our laps and we listen to what God has for us. Listen. Listen. And then we listen to each other. Right? We listen to each other. I was thinking about this this weekend. I can't tell you the number of people that have walked out of my life in the last 10 years because of a miscommunication or a lack of communication. I'm convinced that over 90% of the relationships would have been saved or, or, or what have you if we would have just been able to sit down and have a conversation and listen to each other. The number of marriages that have sat in my office in conflict over one thing, either a lack of communication or a miscommunication, that if they would just stop and listen to each other, if they would just stop and listen to each other. And so that's my challenge for you this week, that you, that you can love by listening, that you can love by listening to the people around you, Listen to the voice of God in your life saying, hey, listen, I know she's taken seven years to open that gift, but just love her. Just love it because there's going to be a day that you miss those bows. There's going to be a day that that's not going to be there. The second thing is observe. Observe. I know I kind of covered this last week and a little bit as we started the message this week but you know how you experience love from someone a good way is to look back and see how they've loved you in the past observe how they're trying to love you now right observe just observe and as I look back I can tell you, as I've, as I've kind of taken some time this weekend and kind of looked back over the last year, I could point you to some ways God loved me in January. I could point to some ways where God loved me in February. I could point to some ways where I experienced the love of God in March on a mission trip to the Bahamas. I felt so loved by God that he gave me my height because I was able to hold drywall way up high. Well, other guys screwed it in when they were standing on like the fourth step of a ladder. And I was just right there. No height needed. I felt, I felt loved by God that he blessed me with the height and other people vertically challenged so that they could hold it down low and I didn't have to bend over. It was just awesome, right? God gave my family the best of both worlds. Kristen, five foot nothing, and me, six foot eight. She held the drywall down here and I held it up. It was just a beautiful teamwork. I mean, it was just awesome. Experience the love of God in that. Observe the love of God there. Well, yeah, but pastor, that's when everything shifted. You know what? I experienced the love of God in April. Even as we were all virtual. You know, we didn't have one thing in April that we did together. And it was the second largest giving month of this church's history. That's the love of God. Through the faithfulness of His people. I could keep going. But observe the way God's blessed you. Observe the way God has poured His love out on you. 
And then you know what? As you're loving one another, observe ways that you can love other people. What is their greatest need? It may be a nap. It may be a little financial help. It may be, but observe how you can love one another. Number three, visit. Oh, but but pastor, this one's hard. Listen, find ways to visit one another. Find ways to visit one another. We're doing this one backwards, right? Go stand in somebody's front yard. Stand 20 feet away from them or however far away they want you to be from them so that they can feel comfortable and so that they can just see your person and be encouraged by you. Be encouraged by you. Visit. Take the time to visit. You know who models this so well? Mary. The first Christmas message I ever gave, I was like 18 years old. If you would have asked me, I was the best preacher ever. Somebody this morning in this little white church down in North Carolina of about 18 people, this lady came up to me at the end. She had to be 80-something years old. She looked at me and she said, you're the next Billy Graham. She lied to me. (laughs) But I'll never forget that message that morning. It was, it was have a, and this isn't original. (laughs) You'll know that when you hear it. Some of you have heard me even talk about it before. That's so cliche, but it's true. Have a Merry Christmas, M-A-R-Y. Because Mary visited with Jesus. When there were so many other things to do, she sat at his feet. Frustrated Martha, not what the sermon's about, but you get the point, right? She sat at his feet. And this week, in the different season, in the different year, when things are going to look different, feel different, visit with Jesus. And then the last one, embrace. Embrace the love that God has for you. That He's crazy about you. That He gave you the best gift, the only gift He could give us, His Son. So that we could be in fellowship with Him, so that He could communicate with us, so that He could meet us where we are, so that we could be called His children. And my prayer for you this week is that you would embrace the love of God. That you would embrace the love of God. And that by embracing the love of God, you would accept the call and the challenge to share that love with one another. Whatever it looks like. Embrace the call to love one another. So listen Observe, visit, and embrace. I want to close with this. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says to the church at Corinth, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. 
For the love of Christ controls us. And I, I've been pondering that. I haven't been able to get that thought out this week because, because here's the thought. What would it look like if we so experienced the love of God that it took control of our lives? That it, that it dictated everything that we do. Everything that we said. Every reaction. Every comment. Every conversation. The love of Christ controls us. And so my question for you is this, what's that look like for you? What does it look like for you that the love of Christ controls you? And for some of us, there's some baggage we've got to deal with. There's some bitterness, there's some frustration, there's some loss, there's, there's some things that we've got to deal with with God so that, so that His love can come in and take over. And what's it going to take for you to experience a love like that that controls us? That's my prayer.